0: Hey, what it do, sports fans? Welcome to the Sports Live podcast brought to you by Multimedia Live. I'm Swoom Jigeliso, your host, and I will be joined by various guests on this exciting new podcast to discuss the latest ins and outs of the sporting world. See you in the quarterfinals. Japan will face South Africa in the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup. I have to admit first, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. I thought uh, the Springboks were going to play Ireland. In fact, I was trolling quite a few Irish people in Japan while I was there. I kept saying to them, see you in the quarterfinals. See you in the quarterfinals. That's when I was in Japan and South Africa had just lost to the All Blacks and Ireland had just beaten Scotland. I was dead certain that in Group A... Ireland would be on top. South Africa, obviously, after losing to the All Blacks, would be second. And then those two teams, as much as they've got huge admiration for each other, would then face off in the quarterfinals. Unfortunately, Japan went and bloody well messed up my predictions upset the apple cart completely probably buggered up someone's bets thank goodness i'm not a batting man yet um but they beat scotland in what i thought was one of the most thrilling rugby world cup games i have ever seen 28 21 all the points can you believe it all the points scored in that game were from converted tries japan scored four uh, scotland scored three Converted. I know Japan missed two uh, penalties at goal, but it just didn't matter. They played probably the perfect, what was for them, a knockout game. Scotland, unfortunately, I think their emotions got the better of them, which is ironic because it was the Japanese that were crying the entire time just before the match kicked off. I mean, this is a game that almost didn't happen. Leading up to this match, uh, there was the Typhoon and uh, World Rugby was talking about cancelling the game as they had done to the Italy All Black game and the Canada game and all sorts of other games I mean the Canada and Namibia game I mean that game would have been a cracker in its own right even though there wasn't much riding on it but for the safety of the players obviously and um and the organization and everything else. It was important that they make sure that safety comes first. And fortunately we had a beautiful day in Yokohama stadium that I actually was at to watch rugby and I can tell you it is An unbelievable place to go watch rugby outside near the Heineken beer tent, which is probably bigger than any castle corner you will find in South Africa. You'll find uh, scores of people sitting outside and watching probably the pre-games. They were probably watching Wales-Uruguay prior to their big clash against um, Scotland there. But now it is Japan against the Springboks. So is it going to be bright? all over again. That's what people are talking about. Obviously, in 2015, Japan did the unthinkable and beat South Africa in rugby in their first ever encounter. Obviously, South Africa did get some sort of retribution in the friendly test that they played prior to the Rugby World Cup, which they won uh, convincingly. But now we're talking about the real deal. A word on Japan. Let me tell you this. their two coaches. The head coach, Jamie Joseph, used to coach the Highlanders, coach the Highlanders to their first Super Rugby title, assisted by Tony Brown, who used to play for the Highlanders. My goodness, I used to love Tony Brown. Can I tell you that? When I was a, a young little fly half dead Pretoria boys. I thinking I could make it in rugby. I used to actually model my kicking game towards what Tony Brown used to do. Obviously, I wasn't as good, but man, as a coach, I think the pair of them are probably the best coaching combo world rugby has ever seen. And I know Eddie Jones has done amazing things. Uh, I, know, I know him and Jake White and... The the, the 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 trio or the quartet that they had to win the 2007 World Cup that included Gail Small and Alistair Kutsia did a, a brilliant job. But, I mean, when you talk about coaching, man, when you talk about actually bringing skills, that Japan team is coached. I looked at the hands that they put together for their tries. Absolutely unbelievable. Their opportunistic play of their wingers. Um, Kotaro Matsushima, my goodness, this kid was at the Sharks Academy not too long ago um, i wanted to interview him at some point but apparently his english wasn't that great and um, i'm sure it's, it's it's immaculate now you know and uh, um he a uh, fukuoka his other wing partner ripping the ball out man chipping and chasing to regather just absolutely brilliant play. The captain, Michael Leach, Lapis Labaskakhni, uh, Shota Hori, uh, those guys gave it their absolute best. But I think against the Springboks, and you're going to hear this in my conversation with my special guest, um, is that Japan are probably going to hit a green wall once the quarterfinals um, come into play. The Springboks, they definitely have a massive weight and height advantage over the Japanese. The scrums are going to be a different contest all together the Springboks have two complete uh, front rows unfortunately Trevor Nyakano, who had to go back home was part of um the, the 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 those two front rows that could demolish any team in world rugby and he's been replaced by thomas tutoit but that said, I mean South Africa can put out a front row of Stephen kitoff Malcolm Marx, as well as Franz Herbert, and they can switch it up and put in Bismaririra, Bongi Bonambi, as well as Vincent Koch or Thomas Tutoit. It's 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 a glut of um, options in the front row. You go to the second row, uh, Lord Diache. You're looking at Ebenezer, you're looking at Franco Mostet, you know, and it's 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 an arches Neyman who was insane against Canada so I mean, if you're Rassi Erasmus, you're licking your lips at this prospect of of facing a physically less imposing team, but the caution is that Japan are very well coached, so if they get their tactics correctly, my word, I am telling you, uh, the Springboks will be in trouble again, it could be Brighton again, and you don't want to go down that route. I think South Africa need to be very smart. I think a lot will depend on Andre Pollard and how he distributes the ball. If they go there thinking they're going bash Route 1 and use uh, Damien D'Alande as their battering ram, there's gonna be problems. You need to create space for yourself against this Japanese team. They move the ball quickly. You need to reciprocate by uh, tightening the ga- game up in, in 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 the tight loose but then you have to get the ball going you have to be creative and innovative you saw how brilliant Russell was the number 10 for Scotland and finding space in behind their wingers with their chip kicks so if anything goes um, uh, to to the wings to Cheslin Colby to Mark Azole and my PMP those kicks need to be gathered they need to know what to do once they've gathered those kicks so they need to ding things behind they need to chase everything everything uh with a lot of enthusiasm so it's gonna be an absolutely brilliant game i do tip the springboks to overcome japan however they're gonna have to be smart about it please can we just stop with the Domkop rugby for one moment and just play a complete World Cup game like we did against Italy like we've seen Cheslin Kobe play this entire World Cup I think that's what South Africa expects from the Springboks but in in an administrative point of view I think it was an error to kick the Sunwolves out of Super Rugby. I mean, next season is the last season and apparently, uh, well, according to those in the know, is that uh, the Sunwolves won't be part of the 2021 deal that will see uh, Super Rugby uh, being shortened. Another strength versus strength um, deal is being put together that will put the Sunwolves out of that competition. You know, they're going to take a step backwards and people are saying maybe there should be a Six Nations rather than the rugby championship, which has four, which is South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and Argentina people calling for Fiji and Japan to be included in a Six Nation. Who's going to pay for that? I don't know. Is there a market for it? Are there big sponsors that are able to chuck the money into Southern Hemisphere Rugby and make it the behemoth that is the Six Nations up in the north that features England, Wales, Scotland, um, as well as Ireland and Italy. So, and France obviously. So, I mean, Uh, Can we do it? Uh, I don't know. So that's up to the administrators. And uh, and that's all I'm going to say about the Rugby World Cup for now. We've had a lot of Rugby World Cup talk on the sports podcast. And it's time to switch it up. There's a little bit of football. Bafana Bafana played Mali over the weekend in the Nelson Mandela Challenge in Nelson Mandela Bay. It was Muli Fintzeki's first game in charge of Bafana Bafana and this is what he had to say after that game
1: so i'm very happy to have won uh, my first match against uh, a very strong team a very organized team uh, which happens to be mali and i had a a chat with the coach before the match and uh, he's a he's a gentleman he's very open he he can share things he can talk and i think that is good for us as africans to have that uh, rapport to have that relationship of discussing football without fear Uh, and and it really helps because uh, we started the match we went into this match knowing very well that uh, we have got a very good relationship with uh, uh, the players and the technical team from Mali. Yesterday we had a gala dinner and these are very humble people and we know as South Africans we are also a very humble nation so we really want to thank Mali to have honoured the fixture to come here and play us. Uh, Like I said, we want to thank every South Africans who supported us from day one. Uh, the, The journey does not end here. We still have a long way to go, going into the qualifiers for AFCON 2021 and the World Cup 2022 in Qatar.
0: That was Muli Finseki talking about the Bafana game against Mali, giving kudos to the Malian team that was uh, very challenging in that 2 1 win. But a good performance from Bafana, Bafana. Dean uh, Furman, I think, with the penalty, as well as uh, Temba Zwane with the other strike. They did miss out on a few opportunities to kill off the game in the second half, most especially. But hearty performances all round from the team. Uh, I think. Keegan Dolly has been unlucky um, to to suffer yet another injury in national team duty. Um, I wish all the best to Percy Tao as well uh, who will be um, unfortunately he didn't play won't be featuring in this international window apparently he was taken to hospital sometime during the week as well um, nursing an injury and they're trying to get him back on the field for Club Bruges where he's based at the moment as soon as possible obviously Percy Tao involved in the US for Champions League where they are in the same group as Real Madrid and they got an unbelievable draw if you remember a few weeks ago against Real Madrid 2-2 and he assisted one of the goals they did Percy Tao so he is one of the South African boys on the up and up and we wish him the best with his industry injury and we wish Lebo Mutiba as well the best with his injury as well He, of course he's our main number 9 striker Mr. Shosha E-T-Shirt Mr. Mr. Takerin and um, but Um, I was also at the Multi-Choice Disky Challenge over the weekend. It was a nice little Saturday out. um, Got some nice little VIP treatment at Lucas Masterpieces Murripe Stadium. Um, It was a brilliant, brilliant day out. Um, It was nice, warm weather. Uh, Just, you know, how Praetorian people do. There was the band was there. There was a brass band playing, you know, um, Praetorians always come out. Nice, friendly atmosphere. And um, just and just before uh, I, I, I get more into what a great time it was at the Diski Challenge, um, S- SuperSport United did play Kaiser Chiefs, and uh, I, I managed to, to to catch up with a few of the youngsters. You know, we 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 tend to ignore uh, some some of the kids bubbling under in South African football, and then we wonder where they come from. I caught up with one of the most talented uh, South African youngsters in South Africa, who is playing in his fifth yeah fifth. Multi-Choice Disky Challenge season, that's Kanye Samayo. He started off with uh, Chipa United, and he's now in the colors of Supersport United, and they beat Kaza Chiefs Multi-Choice Disky Challenge team 2-0, and this is what he had to say after the game. Kanyesa, how's how was the game, and how have you felt about your contribution to the team?
2: Yeah, the game was hard, you know, it wasn't an easy game because, you know, playing against Kaiser Chiefs, and Kaiser Chiefs, we all know that Kaiser Chiefs is a team that likes keeping the ball, you know, so we told ourselves during training, if we can suffocate them and let them not even make 10 touches then we would be able to play against them and that's what we did and they got yeah. frustrated in the first half so they couldn't play and we managed to win the game at this level uh, junior level do you guys have
0: um, any fear of any teams like the chiefs you know they come from natural they come from a big club they've got huge resources does that play in your mind at all when you face them
2: uh, honestly when it comes to development level, like it's only the brand, Kaiser Cheese, because we're all equal. It's just that it depends on who wants it more. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So you go out there in the field and you just like, no, with the same. It doesn't matter what resources you've got versus us. Yeah, it's about who wants it more and the courage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, tell me, playing the ski challenge, how long have you been playing in the competition now?
2: I've been playing in the competition for five years now, because yeah. I started with the Multi-Joyce The Challenge when I was at Sheffield United. 2014-15 yeah, yeah. season.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, and how's it been for you? It has been good, you know, like everything was going my way. And uh, yeah, last season I took the top goal scorer, you know. So, yeah, things are going good for me at the moment.
0: Do you think it will give you an opportunity to get a look into the first tip?
2: Yeah, definitely, because the first team coach told me that I should get minutes, you know, in order for me to be sharp yeah. whenever I get a call-up to the first team, so I'm ready.
0: Yeah, and obviously seeing how well the first team is doing must also be encouraging their positive spirit around the club.
2: Yeah, definitely, yeah, especially with the players who have come in, you know, the likes of Kabuza. like yeah. the spirit is very high in the changing room, and even at training too, it's very high. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. And, like, looking at guys like
0: Desitao, who played against Real Madrid just last week or a couple of weeks ago. Though you know, and he started here, does that give you belief?
2: Yeah, most yeah, definitely because you know he's an inspiration to other footballers, you know, about where he started in the multi choice Disky challenge. You yeah, know. Yeah. So it gives hope, it gives us hope as soccer players, you know, yeah. that we can also make it in the big leagues.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, excellent stuff. I wish you all the best. You guys played very, very well. Thank you very all much. All the best for the disc challenge. Hope to see you in that super sport team. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Cheers, man. That was Kanye Samayo talking about a super sport. United, hoping to get chances in the first team. But I also caught up with uh, the Keza Chiefs goalkeeper, Buntle Mulifi, who also is part of the production line at Keza Chiefs that is renowned for producing goalkeepers. Obviously, we've seen Bruce Boomer, as well as we know Mzanti's number one. Itume Kune, comes from the same academy at Keza Chiefs. And we've seen in the past Brian Spiderman Baloy, We've seen uh, Botende Eshele. We've seen Roy. Fernandez and this is Buntlemun. Probably the next big thing that will will that we will see in the near future talking about his chances as well of joining the ranks of the likes of Kune and Bruce Vuma. So I'm here at uh, multi-choice dispute challenge. I'm with Buntlemu for the Multi-Choice Dispute Challenge team. Not the day you guys um, wanted today, going down to, you know, to Super Sports. Yeah, how did you guys feel about
3: that game? It wasn't like, it wasn't one of the hardest games, I mean, we mm-hmm. played well. Man. Yeah, but then, no. there were certain chances did we yeah, take. yeah, just like, very consistent. Didn't the first half we came, we, did, we had the game, the second half, the season, second half, we just walked out because now, yeah kept on the missing chances. We start
0: believing ourselves. So that's what they us There were a couple of moments where it seemed like you guys were actually uh, coming, coming back, mean You had a chance right there by the end, where the goalkeeper kind of saved it. You guys actually analyse yourselves at this junior level to see where you can
3: improve. Yeah, every game before uh, pre-match training. We're yeah. on a Saturday, pre-match training on the Friday to check ourselves, we analyze and see where we can fix things for the next day. Yeah. The morning we go again and refresh our minds Yeah. and we see where we can uh, continue going. And, I mean, at this level, if, if you can't analyze yourself and do it in the game, because yeah, yeah. there's no point of just analyzing yourself. You're supposed to do the certain things the coach tell you. So I feel like today we didn't do those things because the coach instructed us to do certain things yeah. but it didn't follow through. So we just play our own game and that's what led us to lose today.
0: To to go down. Yeah, Yeah, and you know, being a goalkeeper at Chiefs does not come with a little bit of pressure because institutionally, Chiefs has produced some of the best goalkeepers we've seen in this country and they keep doing it. I mean, Pune, Came after the likes of Spider Man, Balloy, Royal Fernandez. I mean, there's a whole list if you go even further back. And probably even before you were born, like, <laughs> the goalkeepers were, were known to be the best in the country. Do you not feel like we have to up, up that standard or keep that standard? It's no, a lot of pressure. I mean,
3: like, um, I haven't got my clean sheet yet. Yeah. It's been how many games? About um, eight games I've played. And that to me, sometimes being KZ Cheese and considering in eight goals, in eight games, Yeah. sometimes to myself, I feel like I'm not good enough. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's, that's where your mentality comes in. Yeah. comes in. I tell my, I believe myself, I right. play all the time. And that pressure to me doesn't exist because as a player, be you yourself. If you're yourself, I mean, you can go through anything. Yeah.
0: And you learn from the seniors. I mean, I know Bruce Boomer is now, you know, in the Bafana ranks. Pune obviously being the top goalkeeper in the, in, in the country still. Do you, what do you learn from them? In yeah, I learned,
3: I learned a lot from Bruce. Yeah. Bruce is one of the youngest goalkeepers I know. Mean.
0: Yeah. He's gone
3: through a lot. As a young goalkeeper, and he's only yeah. twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. He's in uh, the senior team so even in Bafana Bafana. Yeah, he was at. Um, and for for that, the last, uh, at his age. gone, yeah. yeah. At his age, that's a beautiful thing because I mean, even if he's not playing,
0: yeah. At least he's getting the feeling
3: of being there. Yeah. So by the time he hits maybe let's say twenty-seven, there's a chance to go overseas. Yeah. And I learned from him, you know. Yeah. I try to compete with him. Oh, okay. Because you know? yeah. I know I know he's different. Yeah. But I try to compete with him, and that's how I learned. Yeah. If I compete, that's how I learn and soon, soon enough, I hope I also go overseas.
0: No, excellent no. stuff. All yeah. the best for Thank the rest of your me. career. hope to see you there at the top, 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 very top. <laughs> and we are going to take a quick break before I bring in my special guest. Guns, Guns. an essential tool in self-protection or a catalyst for criminality. Cliffcentral.com presents GunCast, a podcast that unpacks the divisive issue of gun ownership in South Africa. Join legal expert Martin Hood as he hosts a series of talks with both sides of the gun lobby. Whether you support the right to carry guns or you believe they're a destructive tool that society could do without, GunCast will enlighten and challenge you in equal measure. Find GunCast now on the Cliffcentral app, on Cliffcentral.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And now my special guest, This episode is an esteemed sports media authority that is from this beautiful land we call South Africa, but he is now based in Doha and works for Al Jazeera, one of the biggest international news agencies in the world. His name is Peter Stemmet. He's a friend of mine, a media mentor, and one of the first people who taught me how to score a boxing bout. I'm not sure if he remembers that. You might remember him, though, from his time at ETV and ENCA, as well as the old ANN7. He also started a little side project called the Sports Eagle, which I have no doubt will soar to incredible heights in the future. Welcome to the Sports Live podcast, Peter Stamage. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, you're
4: very kind. I'm very well, thank you. Hope you're well too, buddy.
0: I'm great, buddy. I'm glad to have you on on my podcast for a change after doing a cameo on yours <laughs> a few weeks ago.
4: It's only a pleasure, and I'm very much looking forward to the conversation.
0: Yeah, man, and I want us to get straight to that conversation. And I just, first first of all, how has Doha been treating you? It's more than two years now, I believe.
4: Yeah, you know what? It's actually coming up for three years. Um, wow! Next month, end of next month will be three years. How quickly time goes by! Uh, listen, it's hot here. Make no mistake. Um, but the winters are lovely. Uh, they're very mild. It's kind of like a South African spring. So, kind of just waiting for that, and then we'll head outdoors. The wife and I take the dog for a walk. Yeah. Uh, just enjoy the weather. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, overall, Doha really is very nice. There's plenty to do. Plenty. Not necessarily plenty to see, but certainly plenty to do, more than enough to keep you busy, and we're enjoying it.
0: Yeah, man. Um, it sounds absolutely amazing. Of course, um, what is it, a few months back you were in the country and we got to uh, hang out a bit for, um, for lunch um, with you and your wife, Ndando, and you were telling us all about how, how, what a wonderful country <laughs> Doha is. But of course, the rules there, the culture there is completely different. What do you miss about South Africa?
4: Oh, l- let me be uh, straight up, and I know it's going to sound very stereotypical, but we miss Biltong, we miss Buravos, and we miss good weather. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but you know what we have managed to do, uh, and this is um, kudos to Mrs. Stimit, uh She's actually managed to find a South African butcher here in Doha, and uh, just as recently as, a, yeah, yeah, and uh, as recently as about a week ago, we had boerewors rolls here and uh you know that, that'll make anybody happy as you can imagine so uh at least there's that um biltong maybe uh, not necessarily as uh, readily available I, I think that there are ways to get biltong here but you know there's biltong and then there's biltong as you know so uh, you've got to be very careful and very selective but uh <laughs> but yeah i mean other than that it's good and um the other nice thing around here is that uh there's something like uh expats from about 180 different countries here so you can just imagine in terms of restaurants uh there are so many options in terms of cuisine and uh you know we've we've had a really good time just trying things out uh and i can tell you it's hit and miss um I thought it was probably maybe 2 years ago I think uh, I I I thought I was going to take the the wife out uh, for a uh, to a Persian restaurant I think it was actually our wedding anniversary if I remember correctly and I thought I was being all fancy you know Persian restaurant sounds, sounds really exotic and it was such a disappointment I, I I think we we may have had to stop at KFC afterwards uh, just to, to replenish
0: <laughs> oh man, uh, it sounds like the kind of thing I'd also accidentally fall into, mate.
4: <laughs> but yeah, other other than that, it's 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 all good. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about the sports. Uh, obviously, you know, being with uh, Al Jazeera and um, an international news agency, how do you uh, view South African sports? Um, has your your sort of perspective of uh, South African sports and the goings on changed? um since you know now you don't you're not so much in the country but you see how maybe outsiders also view south africa you know um for instance you we had a spout of xenophobic attacks that led to a lot of countries not participating in friendly matches with uh, south africa because of those xenophobic attacks you know and that uh, led to worldwide condemnation of the attacks and and uh, and, uh, and what you would call a miniature Sporting ban, if 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 you could go that far for Bafana Bafana, you know those kind of things that happen. What is what is the coverage like where where you are, and what's the coverage like internationally uh, of of the issues that surround South Africa?
4: Yeah, I mean it's not easy. Uh, make no mistake. I, I think the first challenge here is just trying to get my colleagues to pronounce. Uh, President Cyril Ramaphosa's name correctly. Uh, so uh, heaven only knows, uh, you know, it's like maybe uh, BC uh, Jonas. If, if he had to become uh, a bit more internationally prom- um, prominent, you can just imagine how difficult that might be uh, <laughs> to try and help the guys out this side. Um, but on a, on a little bit more serious note, Uh, I can tell you that uh, there's a lot of British uh, expats that work at Al Jazeera. And with all due respect to our American friends and colleagues, uh, the British do tend to know South Africa a lot better than the Americans do. Uh, And you'll be amazed at how clued up they are um, when it comes to our country. I remember... Gosh, it would have been about two years ago now when uh, Cyril Ramaphosa was involved in um, that uh, election campaign within the ANC to become the ANC's president, with Costanzana Dlamini-Zuma. And there was a British colleague of mine who was telling me that she was rooting for Dlamini-Zuma, and then she just laid out all these reasons why she was in favor of... and Dr. Dlamini Zuma, and I thought, wow, that's, that's quite a great, you never imagined that, you know, somebody from Britain would have that kind of, of information about our country. So it's not necessarily just a, a sort of wide view of the country. There's certainly a lot more interest and a lot more knowledge, which is great. Um, but at the same time, as you say, when it comes to these sort of xenophobic uh, attacks and, and incidences, uh, it is it is embarrassing, let's be honest. Uh, and, you know, every now and again, you might uh, come to work and then somebody says, hey, uh, what's going on there? And then it's like, well, you know, uh, and, it's, and and it's not always easy to explain because obviously having been out of the country for a couple of years now, you know, you're not necessarily privy to what exactly happened. You know, it's, it's different when, you, when you're actually at home and you live there and you live the experience uh, and you know exactly what happened because, as you know, it's very, very easy to um, just get a, a false idea or, or, or maybe just a, a microcosmic idea of what's going on just by reading News 24, the Daily Maverick, every day. Uh, you know, it's not the same as actually being there and actually living it. Um, and then obviously you know as you say uh, games being cancelled or, or or teams not wanting to play against bafana bafana for example i mean obviously that's embarrassing in its own uh but again you know i i try to explain to the guys the side what's actually happening uh and again uh, there are people that might just have not necessarily a particular point of view, but it's, it's one of those points of view when you know that they've only really been getting one side of the story or they just saw a headline on whatever it might be, News 24 again, uh, or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and then they've sort of formulated an opinion just based purely on that. And then, you know, I try to explain a little bit and, and, and give them uh, some additional information and, and try to explain why it is, how it is, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, man, that's,
0: that's actually quite the um, the breakdown um, of of that world because I've always been curious. Uh, I know I spent a little bit of time at the Sunday Mirror, um, but it's UK, so they, they will have an in-depth understanding of South African sports and sporting politics. Um, so I'm always curious about all the other countries that aren't necessarily Britain, but the way you've put it has been excellent. And speaking of uh, uh, world sports, the... Our uh, IAAF Athletics Championships were in Doha um, about a week ago, Pete. And South Africa came back with Iqandakops Kova zero medals. We weren't even on the medals tables. <laughs> Pete, you were there um, doing some coverage uh, in and around the athletics track. What happened, mate? What could you tell us?
4: yeah but Ugandada is exactly what it was uh embarrassing perhaps <laughs> uh, but you know what it look it is what it is, um, and you know we were obviously I wouldn't necessarily on high alert, uh, maybe that's not the way to, to to put it, but you you knew coming into the championships. That there was no cost Semenya, there was no wage fund, so that automatically mm. took, took South Africa out mm. of the running for, I would argue, two guaranteed medals and possibly even two guaranteed gold medals. So obviously that didn't happen. And then you sort of looked at the list um, and, and then tried to work out, okay, where are we going to get medals from? And I thought that uh, Luvo Manonga was, was a medal contender, right? uh, And possibly mm, somebody mm. like Ruzbal Samai as an outside bet. And as it turned out, they were fourth and fifth in the long jump final. And uh, you, know, you, you can't really get any closer than that without actually winning the medal. Um, I had a look also at the sprints. Uh, I thought that Akani Simbina had a, a chance for us. Uh, and I think he finished fourth as well in, in the 100-meter final. So again, ever so close, missing out by a whisker. Uh, Anaso Chobodwana, I always think, is, is, is there or thereabouts. Um, obviously it didn't work out for him. Uh, I was there on the mm. Saturday night for the 100, the, the four by 100 me finals. Uh, South Africa were actually in, in, lane four, if I remember correctly, which, you know, pretty much if you're in lane four or five, mm. that means that certainly as far as the qualifying goes, you were the top or the second best mm. team and uh, you know we watched uh, mm. i think it was blood munyai simbine and mahakwe if i remember correctly and again there was just it just didn't happen for us so you know on if things had gone a little bit differently there could have been two or three medals maybe um again maybe even four or five with a couple of golds in there uh, but it didn't quite work out and i think that there is an element uh, that we need to accept that when it comes to athletics Uh, Unlike maybe cricket and maybe rugby, certainly, uh, you know, South Africa is not a powerhouse on the international stage. Um, We probably go to an athletics world championship such as the one that just took place here in Doha, hoping to win two, three, maybe four medals. And then we would consider that a successful championships. And then you have a look at uh, mm. you have a look at let's say Kenya or Ethiopia, and if they don't win at least that number of medals as gold medals, they would see it as an abject failure so you know we've got to keep it in context um, but again you know that that is what it is like at the sort of surface level if you like, but then you you get into mm. the administrative uh, sort of side of things and you look at the way that Athletic South Africa is run, you look at, at the way that the provincial federations are run, you look at Saskoc, and then you sort of take a step back and you ask yourself, how on earth are we ever going to get better when all of that stuff is going on? That
0: That's exactly what uh, boggles my mind, you know. It's that the fact that we have such talented athletes, but we somehow contrive... Administratively, to bring out the worst uh, out of them, I think it's it's absolutely diabolical. And I'm gonna uh, read a piece from um, Ocket. Ocket, uh, I'm sure you know Oki Ock- Ocket de Villiers who's been an athletics writer for as long as I have been a rugby writer, um, if not longer. Ockett says, I think, and he covered the last London Olympics, that South Africa came back um, from uh, this uh, athletics championship in Doha, and it's a stark contrast to how they performed in London just two years ago where they finished third overall in the medals table, which is incredible when you consider that we're competing against the likes of Jamaica and USA. This is me speaking now. And he goes on to say, that was courtesy of three gold medals, a silver and two bronze. Obviously, like you said, there was no wait for Nikke this time around and no Casta Semenya. However, you look at Akani Sembine. Akani, you know, he's run his best times this year. Even in finishing fourth in this 100 meters was his a PB so I guess from him you can't ask anything more if you do your PB that's your PB <laughs> you, you know that there's not much you could do and he got fourth but you look at Stephen Mokoka placed just outside he finished fifth in the in the in the in the, mar- in the marathon and uh, you look at uh, rushwal Sumai as well as Luvo Manyonga. Luvo Manyonga is a is he's a, 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 a like I'd say top two. Long jumper, um, uh, you know, and um, I think I should we should have definitely expected a medal from him. Do you know what 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 this then brings uh, reminds me of uh, Pete? Is that in in the 2007 championships um, we came back um, without a single medal a year just before the 2008 Beijing Olympics, and if you uh, Will know your uh, athletics. Obviously, the Olympics are in Japan. Next year, this has not bode well because we went then and went to Beijing the following year, and we only got uh, one solitary silver medal at the time, and that was from Khotomukwena, the long jumper. Um, so there are airy similarities um, to that time. We're not guaranteed to have Wade back because he's had his struggles with his injuries. We're not guaranteed to have Kasta because she, the like the 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 IWAF, is right on her back uh, on a which. Hunt to 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 get to drive her out of the sport, and that would have taken a toll. And Asot has just come back from from injury, a uh, long term injury. So he was a medal contender for the 200 meter in the last Olympics, and he's part of the 4 x 100 team that has Clarence Munyai, that has who's um, this? Oksaman Mahakwe, as well as Akane Simbine and Tando Rojo. So, in a long-winded way, mate, it seems like we're back in 2007, where we thought we'd never get back to considering the calibre of athletes that we had at the 2016 Beijing Olympics. Um, and how do you how do you feel about this?
4: Yeah, I think you've just hit the nail on the head there. Um, it, it's it's a statement that I've made before. In my opinion, South African athletes, and it's not just athletics. I would extend it to swimming, rugby, cricket, football, tennis. Uh, whatever. Um, Our athletes prosper despite the system, not because of the system. Uh, I've, I've long held the view that South African sport, unfortunately, is about how much money the administrators can make for themselves, as opposed to how well our athletes can perform on the international stage. Um, the, in, in uh, what you've just mentioned there about the 2007 championships a year before the next Olympic games, 2008 in Beijing, it's, um, it's quite eerie. <laughs> it's um, perhaps uh, something that, that that needs to be of great concern. Uh, it's ominous. Uh, the only thing that that I would say to try and counter that uh, sort of negative feeling, uh, or almost feeling of foreboding, is that if nothing else, at least we're talking about different athletes and we're talking about a different era. So that should give us. A smidgen of hope and as you know as South Africans we do tend to be the most hopeful people on earth we we always believe that a a World Cup or a World Championship or a gold medal is right around the corner even though there's absolutely no chance of it happening but we we always believe Um, and 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 you're right I mean we've got several athletes there that if they're fit and if the conditions are right on the day there's no reason why they can't win us a medal maybe even a gold medal as far as Casta Semenya goes, I mean, I've said before, I think that the, the whole situation around her and the way that the IAAF are dealing with the matter and even the way that Athletics South Africa have dealt with the matter is nothing short of disgraceful. Uh, unfortunately for us, I don't see the situation changing in our favor. So we're going to, in the short term anyway, we're going to have to find a way to deal with this. And unfortunately, the only way that you really deal with it from a practical point of view is you have to continue without Costa, which, again, I think it's disgraceful, but you know there is a reality at play here. So we're going to have to do that. Hopefully, somebody like Wade Van Nekak is fit. Hopefully, somebody like uh, Joe Bordwana, Simbino, uh, as you said, Simbina ran a personal best. You can't ask for more than that, and it turned out to be uh, fourth. It, it kind of reminds me, um, if you go back all the way to 1996, um, one of our neighboring countries, Namibia, had a, had a famous sprinter named Frankie Fredericks. Uh, and he was actually the favorite for the gold in Atlanta uh, in both the 100 and the 200 meters. And I, I, I can't remember if he ran a personal best, but he certainly ran an incredibly fast time in both races. But he finished second on both occasions because the guy that won just either ran a personal best or a world-leading time. Or, or even a world record time. Uh, I remember Donovan Bailey, the Canadian, was the guy that won the 100 meters on that occasion. And um, certainly as a, as a teenager at the time, I had certainly never heard of of, of Donovan Bailey before. It's like, who's this guy? How did he beat Frankie Frederick? So those kind of things do happen. Uh, they, I'm sure that there will be athletics officials who will turn around and say, oh, of course, how could you not have known Donovan Bailey? He was A, B, C, D, E uh, at the time. Uh, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to admit that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it 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 doesn't look good at the moment. The, the only thing that that we can also add to that is that when it comes to the Olympic Games and athletics, for from a South African perspective, we we tend to maybe get two or three medals from 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 track and field, and then you sort of move on, and you kind of hope that you might get two or three in the swimming pool. And then you look around and maybe you might get something from rowing. You might get something uh, like like in Brazil, we got something uh, in the triathlon. Uh, You look around, rugby sevens is obviously one that we would always expect to get a medal from. Although uh, I do think that in rugby sevens, it's becoming increasingly more difficult and more competitive. Uh, It's no longer just sort of South Africa, New Zealand and Fiji who are the medal contenders in rugby sevens, uh, there are other nations that are now also right up there. So it's becoming increasingly difficult. Absolutely, the United States, uh, no doubt about it. Um, And I think that they themselves have got to a point where they think that rugby sevens is one of the areas where they will win a medal. And uh, you know how it goes with the the Americans, once they believe that they're gonna win something, uh, they usually do.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, they are very dogged. Um, And I want to get into that conversation sometime later during um, this formation of this podcast that we do put together here at um, Multimedia Live uh, into how important the U.S. market is to global sports. You know, you saw how FIFA only really got cleaned up when the USA got involved with the FBI and they they took out the the bladder and his and his cabal and a string of corrupt activities that had been going on but aside from that um i think the u.s market like i think it would open up rugby would become an unbelievably an unbelievable st- uh, sport um even bigger than it is now if the u.s invested um, even more into rugby than they do. You've seen how sevens has exploded in the U.S. I love it. You look at um, the Vegas sevens. The the sevens World Cup was there the last time out. Um, you look at the Rio Olympics. How well the USA team did there. Um, you know, I think you need the USA a strong USA. Score team in any sport uh, it, it draws a crowds, it brings in the money but that's a conversation we'll have um someday together buddy
4: sounds good to me uh, i agree with you uh, just uh, if i can briefly say um, i think that 100 percent the united states are a key market or is a key market in in rugby uh, what I'm excited about is, uh, it was two years ago now, and I think they're coming up for their third season, uh, they launched a thing called Major League Rugby. And that seems to uh, have taken off, and, and, and it's relatively stable as well. And something that we've noticed in this Rugby World Cup that's currently ongoing, there are actually a lot of Uruguayan players that are p- applying their trade in Major League Rugby. And just purely from playing regularly, not necessarily against the best opposition, as you might expect in maybe the Heineken Cup or the, the English or French leagues or Super Rugby, but just playing regularly against decent opposition that you'll find in Major League Rugby. Look how decently Uruguay have performed at this last World Cup. Uh, they certainly didn't disgrace themselves, and they notched up a victory, and they didn't get too far from uh, one or two other surprises as well.
0: Yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, you saw in the USA team a few South Africans there. One, Marcel Brahi, um, who used to play for UCT in Western Provinces. They used to play for the Force as well. They're coached by Gary Gold. Um, we know Gary Gold, obviously, used to be assistant uh, to Peter de Villiers at the box. He coached the Sharks as well. Um, who else is involved in the, uh, Jacques Fauriz, a defense coach, I think, uh, World Cup winner. Um, yeah, they, you know, the U.S., they're putting it together. They didn't have the Rugby World Cup that they thought they probably might have had. Before I let you go, Pete, um, Japan, uh, Springboks, what did you make of that? Um, that, 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 uh, first of all, Japan beating Scotland. And what did you make of, um, the possibility of the Springboks facing Japan in the quarters?
4: All right. So I think that firstly, let's say all hats off to Japan. They've been magnificent at this Rugby World Cup. I think that they are a team that play to their strengths. I think that Jamie Joseph and possibly even Eddie Jones before him, uh, if we can look at a sort of medium to long-term view, I think that what they've done is they've worked out exactly what they do well. They've worked out exactly what they don't do well, and they pretty much stick um, to their strengths. They try and avoid their weaknesses at every turn and that's the game plan that they have formulated. So, we, you know, you've got to say well done to them. You give them all the, the kudos that they deserve. They've been great at this tournament. Something that I've noticed from them is we, watch, the, watch what they do at the breakdown spook. They generally don't commit more than three men at the breakdown and I actually think that that is very clever on their part because what, the first thing that it does is it eliminates the physicality element which obviously Japan are not going to be as physical as a South Africa or a New Zealand or an England uh, that, that's just never going to happen so you've got that going but the second thing you do when you only commit three men to the breakdown you create yourself a 12 man backline, and if there's one thing that the Japanese excel at Uh, It's quick passing, it's quick movements, their offloading is excellent, and they've got some serious gas on the wings. Uh, Matsushima, for example, is, is a player that I've been very, very impressed with at this tournament. So that is what they are good at. Now, having said all of that, South Africa, in my opinion got caught with their pants down in 2015 in Brighton. I think that the box, and if I can can even say the larger population of South Africa, all 53 million or whatever uh, the number is these days, or, or, or certainly four years ago, I think all of us thought this is going to be an easy win, 20, 25, 30 points, no doubt about it. We underestimated the Japanese, not just as a team, but as a nation, and look what happened. Now, I think what will happen this time round, I think that we have in Russi Rasmus, Russ the coach who is a stickler for planning. I think that he is a meticulous planner and I believe that we will be better prepared for this match than what we were last time round, no doubt about it. I also think that, if you look at the traditional strengths of the springboks, that physical game, the keeping it tight, keeping it defensive, suffocating the opposition, you're uh, pretty much beating them three points at a time, and when you 've established a nice lead, then you might go out wide and score a couple of tries. If the Springboks do that against Japan in this quarterfinal on Sunday then I have no doubt the Springboks will win this match and they win it easily. Um, that's not taking away from Japan and how great they've been at this tournament, but I think that Japan are not yet at that level where we could see them as a contender to actually win the World Cup or a team that is going to be beating teams like the Springboks, the All Blacks, the Wallabies, England on a regular basis. So I believe that as long as the Springboks do what they are good at and in the sort of traditional Springbok way, and they execute the game plan properly, then I, I don't I don't think that Japan have got any chance in this quarterfinal. Uh, and again, that doesn't take away from, from their achievements at this tournament.
0: Yeah, no, I think they've done incredibly well. Uh, I think, uh, like you said, a uh, lot will depend on the physicality that they do bring. They've got uh, their number eight, the big number eight, Amanaki Mafi, is injury prone, which saw Michael Leach sort of come in and start and try filling that void. They've got Lapis Labaskakhne as well, who might try to um, sort of squash that uh, South African physicality, but they'll be up against it. Their line out for me didn't impress. Shota Horry missed quite a few against Scotland, but Scotland was... Two one-track-minded, trying to play everything through Finn Russell, their number 10, and they just couldn't create anything either side of their, their number 10 in their wings. So, but finally, Pete, um, as per tradition on this podcast, we have the Upset and Playmaker of the Week. There are no upsets this week because I feel like it would diminish um, the achievements of the following people that I've then put up as contenders for Playmaker. And it's a multiple-choice question, so don't worry about it if you've not been watching Watching every single game of every sport, um, I will give you the following options, starting with Japan beating Scotland 28-21 in a thriller to book a quarter-final date with the Springboks at the Rugby World Cup, as well as Coco Golf winning her first WTA title in Linz, Austria, and Eliud Kipchoge. I hope I said that name right. Becoming the first man to run a standard marathon in under two. Hours, which is regarded as an unbelievable human feat in its own regard, Bafana Bafana beating Mali two-one at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium to take the Nelson Mandela Bay Challenge, the the Nelson Mandela Challenge um, trophy at the weekend. Virat Kohli finally. Um, Hitting an unbeaten 254 against the Proteus in the first innings of the second test in Pune to set them 601, which they ended up winning by an innings and 130 odd runs. It was a messy weekend, Pete, least of all for the Proteus. But who for you takes the playmaker gong?
4: All right, if I just give it a little bit of thought, right. So I expected Japan to beat Scotland. So so well done to them. Uh, I think that maybe very few people thought that Bafana Bafana would beat Mali. What a fantastic result. Well done to them. Virat Kohli... South Africa, cricket, I think just if I put my very biased cap on, I don't really want to talk about it, (laughs) and I think that there are many people who would agree with that, (laughs) Uh, but what I'm going to go with is the 15-year-old sensation, Coco Goff. I think she's wonderful. I think she's going to be great for tennis, and she is my winner. Oh, wow, mate. That's a shocker.
0: And we've had a few shockers in these Playmaker um, Awards. Uh, I thought uh, Elliot Kipchoge would have walked that one, no pun intended. But um, it, clearly he didn't run away with it this time around.
4: But thanks very much, Pete, for joining us. If so I could just add in there, I think the, the thing with Kipchoge, without taking away from, as you say, an unbelievable achievement, he's the first man ever to run under two hours let's not forget that he did have a pacemaking assistance throughout the race uh, and it was all geared towards him making that mark Uh, so without taking away from it I feel like there was additional assistance that he wouldn't ordinarily have in a in a in a real marathon in an official marathon uh, and for that reason, Coco Goff uh, pips him to the post for me.
0: Excellent stuff. Thanks very much. You probably, why um, uh, adding to the validation why the IWF still doesn't recognize the feet. But that's a conversation for another day, buddy. I really appreciate you joining me on the Sports Live podcast. We will certainly chat again sometime in the very near future.
4: Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. And uh, hopefully I can come and join you again sometime. It'll be great. It will be wonderful. But enjoy Doha. Say,
0: uh, how's it, Tundando, for me. And uh, your your little dog, is his name Zulu,
4: I believe? (laughs) His name is Zulu. And you know what? He's adorable. He brings joy, and he also brings destruction.
0: (laughs) Typical. Typical is what I would say. (laughs) Cheers, mate. Chat to you soon. That's it from me, Spum Chigeliso, and you've been listening to the Sports Live podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Do also catch us on timeslive.co.za, as well as Sowetan Live, Business Live. We are also on IONO FM, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. It could be Spotify, Stitcher, Cashbox, Pocket Cast, wherever. To connect with us, please use the hashtag SportsLive. Share your comments with us at TimesLive or at Sowetan Live on Twitter. A big thank you goes out to the Multimedia Live team led by Scott Peter Smith and producer Paige Muller, as well as the TESOL Blackstar Digital Sports Department headed by Mninawa Mchana Drogo. Our sound and audio mixer is innocent. Manike. From us at the SportsLive podcast, it's goodbye for now.